Welcome everybody to another episode of the Nerd Continuity where we talk about design, development and all other crazy sorts of stuff that we find online. Basically, the Nerd Continuity is your weekly nerdy tech updates. This is another episode, this is another test of this new format of vlogging or sharing news where I record myself, I record my screen and all the sorts of stuff. Of course, I'm gonna still upload this podcast that it was born as a podcast it was supposed to be a podcast on soundcloud itunes or whatever so if you're listening this as a podcast every time i refer something like and i'm gonna say look at this or look at that it's because i'm uh, sharing this also as a video on youtube so please don't be confused i will try to explain everything i show and hopefully this thing will work also as a podcast. Lots of good news also in uh, these past week, uh, lots of tech updates, web updates, and we're gonna take care, we're gonna take a look of the most relevant one or probably just the one that I encountered during this week. Most likely I skipped a lot of important information, but let's just start, let's take a look at what we have here. The first news is Sketch just released a new update, the 3.7, and this new version, it, it's pretty good, it's pretty solid, it's, it introduces a new way of handling symbols and hardboards, and they improved a lot the compatibility with older files, with like Sketch 3.0, and they're trying to speed up the performances, the overall performance of the software. I think they, uh, the guys at Bohemian Coding, the developers of Sketch, they're feeling kind of the pressure of Adobe and uh, Project Comet, like former Project Comet now, Adobe Design, Experience Design, it's an awful name, but anyway, so um, a, a good thing about Experience Design is that it's freaking fast. It's really basic, so I think that's one of the main reasons it's fast, because it's really basic, doesn't have ma many features, but one of the major complaints about Sketch is sometimes when you have a file with a lot of different arbors, it's kind of clunky and kind of laggy, it's not like super smooth, it's super quick, but they released this new update, I tested it, and introduced a lot of new features that we're gonna take a look at right now. Uh, just a couple of those, not all the future, of course. Uh, we could? I don't know. No, maybe not. But anyway, they, they're they trying to boost a lot of the performance, and I, I noticed uh, an improvement on the performance, and I'm, I'm really glad. Unfortunately, it's still only an OSX application, and only a Mac application. This is due to how the system is built. The system relies a lot on the OSX uh, core animation and core functionalities of the operating system. So in order to move or in order to port this software to Windows or Linux, they should they should probably rebuild it completely from scratch. They cannot use any of the source code because they Sketch relies a lot on the native libraries of OSX that of course Windows and Linux they don't have but hopefully they will do it because Adobe of course is releasing experience design on both Windows and uh, Mac so that I don't know I think if they don't release a Windows version soon they could probably lose a huge market a huge piece of market like sketch is used also by Google at Google they used Apple computers and they use sketch so they they're basically in charge of the this branch of market of design that it's the user experience design or like the UI design type of thing that Photoshop and Illustrator cannot cover properly but as I said if they don't release a Windows version soon probably they will lose a huge piece of market but anyway let's take a look of the improvements of Sketch in this latest version and this is Sketch probably you already saw that if you follow the Design Factory videos, I use Sketch to design my new website and to record whatever I do design, but a couple of cool things, a couple of cool ads and adjustments of the new version. So for example, let's create a button. So we insert simply um, shape and let's create a rounded rectangle, we create this stuff. Of course, we have all the tools uh, really similar to something that you have if you work 
as a developer, something really similar to like handling border radius or gradients or all these sorts of stuff. So it's the learning curve of Sketch is really accessible also for a non-designer, also for a developer that needs to do some small design just to improve itself because it follows the logic of the web and this is really great but anyway let's maybe remove the let's remove the border let's feel like red because i like a lot red two pixels and let's write some text inside so this one let's call submit and let's put it here the center has a great control of the grid probably you cannot see it because this color is awful so I will remove the opacity grid control of the grid recognizes whatever even if these two elements in the layer inspector they're not on the same folder or on the same group uh, if you put an element on top of another you're gonna have these smart guides that recognize directly the position so you have snapping on the borders or in the snapping on the edges and you have these guys that they perfectly align your element to whatever other element is underneath or in the same environment and this this is pretty cool it's just sometimes these snapping options of Photoshop Illustrator they don't work really like properly but anyway let's do it right let's make it bold let's increase the font size 64 okay we created this kind of button and probably we will reuse a button like this pretty standard with background color and text multiple times throughout our design and we don't want to redo this button because if I have this button one two three or four times and then I decide that I don't want to use red as a background color but I want to use maybe blue for all my buttons and I change the color to blue I have to go through my entire design to check all the buttons that I have and all the iterations that I have of that button to find <laughs> and change the color. And that's where Sketch comes in help with this new enhanced feature that was already present in the previous version, but it wasn't working really like properly working really well. Now instead we can create a symbol and the symbol will be it's sort of like think of a symbol as um, smart object of uh, Photoshop. You create a smart object that is a sort of completely separated thing and if you duplicate a smart object and you change it once, change the source of the smart object, all the objects or the duplicated layers that are those duplicated smart objects will have that new updates automatically. But Sketch does something a little bit better. So if we select both button background and text and we create a symbol we can of course name a symbol let's just name it button okay now we have the symbol button the icon changes so we know that it's it's a button automatically sketch will create a new page called symbols where he will collect all the symbols that you create throughout your entire design process so you can keep track of all the symbols you have just one spot where everything is organized and it does everything for you you don't have to do anything and of course inside this page uh, the symbol is exploded in the layer inspector you can see the letter and you can see the text and this is pretty amazing so now if we of course duplicate the symbol a bunch of times here one two three we double click on the symbol we're gonna access inside the symbol if we click the background and we change the background from red to blue and we go back to our board all the buttons are changed and this is identical to the smart object of photoshop but the amazing thing of these new symbols of sketch is this stuff in the right panel where you can manage all the options of your element that if it's a, if it's a graphic element you can put the, you can change the background color if it's a text you can change all the font and all these uh, all these settings here the system now recognizes that this is a symbol so recognize all the elements that are inside the symbol and he he finds that you have a text in our case it's, it's written submit and he finds that you have a text that you can update and maybe you want to update not only in uh, every symbols but just in one maybe as in this case I want one button to say submit and one button to say delete 
So instead of creating another layer, create another symbol, because if I change the text inside the symbol itself, it's going to change everywhere. But here, the panel recognizes that I have a text layer, a text element, and give me the ability to write something different. So now I still have the symbol. If I click and access the symbol, it's still the um, global, the global declare symbol that I can update dynamically so I can revert this like maybe let's put this on orange but the text that I can update and it's manageable is completely detached and independent from the symbol and of course if I write something else for example cancel this gets updated if I delete the custom override text and I hit enter it's returning automatically to the default value of my text this is amazing and it works also for more complex stuff. So if you have in the example of the website of the medium article that Sketch is using, if you have, for example, a board or um, list of options in your, in your application or uh, you have a table with multiple values, the symbol, if you create a symbol for that cell or that container, we recognize everything. You have a name, you have a timestamp, you have a subject, you have a body. You can change all those values independently without affecting the main core, the main symbol. This is pretty great. And the other amazing cool stuff about symbols that now finally you can have a symbol inside another symbol. So you can nest those symbols. And it's it's pretty great. This, there are a lot of different updates and different improvements to the new sketch and I really suggest to check this um, this video, this website and check this article to see all the improvements and the list of um, fixes that I applied but these symbols are great like after I started using the new symbols the process of the my design process was like 10 times faster like less waste of time, less time wasting on managing different options. Maybe I have a button that is similar but has a slightly different concept or a slightly different color. I can create different symbols inside other symbol and iterations and it's just great. Like go check it out. I suggest it. it's pretty great. It and I'm I hope I really hope that this thing is gonna come to Windows as soon as possible. But Moving on, another news related to Sketch that is not a news, it's a big issue that I encountered this week. So let me tell you what happened this week at work and my office. Um, before I have to drink a little bit of tea because um, sore throat. So. The actual previous video, I didn't have anything to drink and I, I, I talked for maybe more than an hour and I ended up with a massive sore throat. I couldn't breathe. I was coughing. It was just awful because, of course, I don't know how to speak properly. So I, I destroy my throat if I speak too much. This is great. Today I'm prepared with a little nice, on my Superman mug, a little nice cup of hot tea with honey that is going to help me to go through all these amazing news. So what happened at my office <laughs> this week? Um, there's my designer, the designer we work with. Um, she's amazing. She's an amazing designer, but we're not here to, to brag about her. She's just fucking incredible. But anyway, she was working and we have pretty powerful Mac. We have pretty powerful iMac at our office. Um, she was working on a lot of different files. We are actually redesigning the interface of our company's website. So it's a massive project, a lot of big pictures and a single file can weigh up to one gigs. So it's just like gigantic. And she got a message, uh, an operating system messenger says, uh, you're, um, you basically you filled your entire space and we have like terabytes like two terabytes of hard drives in our um in, in our computers you filled up all your space you cannot save anymore this file you can update any and she was like oh what hey that's impossible i remember i had like 400 gigs of free space on my hard drive so she started like going through her files deleting maybe duplicated files or deleting source files moving um 
source files or imagery that she wasn't using on the server and to free up some space and she ended up freeing up 30 gigs that is not much but at least she was able to save her files and to keep working because we couldn't stop working we had to work so uh, just like let's free some space we're gonna take care of this issue later we're gonna see what's happening after 20 minutes she got the same message again and that was insane because how in hell is possible to fill up 30 gigs in 20 minutes it's crazy so i opened the inspector uh, like the hard drive inspector i opened the system preferences and i noticed that the number of bytes megabytes uh, occupied in the hard drive was increasing second by second like 100 200 300 and we found out that it's full fault of sketch <laughs> and the way sketch handled different versions so if you're working on a project like I did in this case if I'm working on this project and I have different design iteration or whatever basically sketch every time you move something in out it auto saves your stuff you can deactivate this option in sketch preferences you have the auto save option and if you notice here I already deactivated this because it's a really important option and it's a really important features but until it's fixed, I'm not gonna use it. I'm gonna just hit Control S or Command S multiple times per second just to avoid to lose anything. But anyway, this option that is um, a default option of uh, OS X or like Mac OS or the operating system is an option that auto saves every time you do something. So if you take a button, you move it three pixels, it auto saves another version of the file. If you change the text of one letter, it auto saves another version of the file. The good thing about the system that how OS X, how Mac handles this system because it's a built-in operating system uh, feature, he, the system doesn't uh, create a completely different file, but it's like a version control, it's like having Git for design or having Git for every file. It just saves the portion of the um, edit that you did. So it saves just the, the different type of thing. So if you have one gig of design file, you open it and you change one letter, it's not gonna resave another design file or another one gig is gonna save just the letter that you change so it's gonna store like 100k to maintain that history of you changing that thing and it's not gonna duplicate the entire file sketch doesn't work like that sketch duplicates the entire file so my designer my co-worker she was working on a file that was like 500 megabytes heavy and every time she was moving something, that design was, that file was completely, entirely duplicated. So move an arrow, boom, 500 megabytes duplicated. Move, uh, uh, change the color background, another 500. So he, she basically, in three moves, she filled up 1.5 gigs of space in the hard drive. And you cannot <laughs> stop this. Other than deactivating this, um, it's just insane. So Sketch should, they, the developers should update Sketch in order to use it properly. To check if you have this problem, if you use Sketch, you can do a bunch of things. First, you can access the file menu of Sketch and check the menu, the menu voice called revert to save or like revert to a previous ver version. Right now mine is deactivated because I don't want this, but if you check, if you have revert to a previous version, you can click that, it's gonna open the interface like the time machine. So you have the current version and then you can go back in time to your previous version. One thing that you could do is delete all those versions. So you select the previous version, you hold the alt key on your keyboard and you click file and remove older versions so it's gonna completely erase all the older version the annoying thing is you have to do this for every file you ever worked on and it's not really doable it's gonna take you a lot of time and probably you don't want to spend this much time on this stuff the other thing that you could do to check if this stuff is 
actually happening on your computer and I'm going to share this article that is really interesting about Thomas from uh, Thomas D. De Gray, De Gray, De Gray probably, sorry Thomas, but he investigated this issue and he released a bunch of command that you can do to check what's happening. Basically all the problem relies in this folder is a default OSX folder called document revisions dash v100 and this folder is used by uh, the operating system to save all the version all the version control is the version control folder of OSX you cannot access this folder you cannot see it because it's a hidden folder and you cannot delete it manually because it's a protective folder let's take a look and let's see where to find it so if you write in your terminal actually i'm gonna show you this folder so i'm opening a finder window if we go back up we have to access our macintosh hard drive here the folder should be but of course it's hidden and we can use a command in our terminal to uh, force dsx to reveal all the hidden files unfortunately there's not a shortcut to like show view like uh, hidden files because uh, OSX is really like careful about this and like protecting hidden files if you delete something it's gonna destroy your system but we can write in the terminal like defaults that access the defaults variable of uh, OSX we can write a default variable called com.apple.finder space apple show all files and then space yes all capital we hit enter and then we hit kill all finder basically we are forcing the finder to refresh itself and now we are seeing all the hidden uh, files inside our finder and the first folder that we encounter is the damn it folder is causing all this problem this document revision v100 of course it's going to take a while to calculate the size the the finder is not great to calculate the size of this type of system folders, but it's protected. It's hidden, we cannot access it, we cannot remove it, it's just like insane. To check the actual space uh, that it's occupied by these, um, uh, this folder, like how much it weights, we can write another command in the terminal, and this is like the easiest, quickest way. We can write sudo to have access as an administrator, and we can write du space dash sh, and then the path of the folder, because we are on our base folder that is Macintosh HD. We can write slash dot, and the name of the folder, a document revisions dash v100, we hit enter, of course, ask our password because we are using sudo. And now we have the overall weight of the um, of our of our folder. Let me zoom in this text so you can actually see it if you're watching this video. So now we have this folder that weights 229 megabytes. And we cannot do anything about it other than manually we uh, remove our m sudo uh, option remove actually delete this folder through the terminal if we delete this folder and then we restart our computer the system will rebuild this folder it's pretty good it's pretty smart so always remember if you decide to delete this folder through the command, you have to reboot your operating system. Otherwise, your maybe your application will work really well because they will search for this folder to save all their versions or like version control and you could have some problems. But to remove the folder, I'm not gonna do that because I already blocked cache to use it. I already did it and all these 200 megabytes not bothering me, but when I did this to my coworker, uh, co-worker's computer, she had 406 gigs of memory occupied by older sketch revisions file. And that was insane. So we were forced to remove it. To remove it, you can simply write a really simple but dangerous command that it's sudo to access as an administrator and then rm that it stands for remove then dash r that stands for recursive so everything all the folders inside this folder so it doesn't matter about the hierarchy or the file tree or whatever it's inside 
everything F and then the path of the folder that in our case is of course document oops wrote it wrong document revisions dash b hundred if we hit enter this command will completely delete that folder and he's not gonna ask permissions to do it it's not gonna ask like do you really want to do it it's not like it's, the terminal is really powerful like having a terminal in a unix system is really powerful but if you do something like that it's gonna delete it forever you cannot recover it uh if you have an ssd it's even worse because ssd is completely erased so it's just gone but if you have an issue of space if you have like really hundreds of gigs gigs occupied by these files by this folder and you don't need to access older version revisions you have an external backup of your all your files you can delete this version control um, folder it's like deleting your github repositories because you have like hundreds of gigs of useless code and useless iteration so do that if you want or not <laughs> just be careful what you're doing and always remember if you do this reboot your system is me immediately don't start using your system not don't keep using your system that could create some serious issues but now it's time to um revert back our hidden stuff so let's say no and let's say kill all finder refresh now uh, all our hidden files are back in place so it's pretty good um yeah so i really hope that sketch will release an update soon to resolve to solve this problem this issue and actually after investigating a bit i found out that this issue is a well-known issue since 2014 and i don't know why bohemian coding never never took care of like updating this stuff it's really annoying and if you have a limited amount of space and you're working on heavily on design and you're working on like big files you're gonna fill up your space in few seconds and it's it's not fun moving on by connecting these information like this stuff that we did in the terminal to remove a folder with the rm um, command we can connect this stuff to a nice story that I don't know if it's real, it's just a troll or it's just like made up story but the title is amazing and the story is even more amazing and the title is man accidentally deletes his entire company with one line of bad code and this is freaking real, this could really happen, I don't know if this is real but a lot of comments in this article are stating that this is not real it's just a joke but if this happened oh my god it's it that could totally happen and it's totally legit so let me tell you what happened to this poor guy that i think it's italian because his his name is massimo uh no his name is marco marco marzala so he's most likely he's italian <laughs> So I feel you, I'm sorry, this is freaking terrible. Basically, this guy has a company or probably used to have a company of um, web hosting. So it was, uh, he's hosting a, a sort of like 1,600 web from clients and stuff. And he was doing some Unix uh, updates, some Unix stuff through the terminal to his servers. First mistake, he was doing this without removing the backup. So all the backups were physically mounted to the main server. And that's his first mistake. He shouldn't have done that. He always, if you have backups, when you're doing something on your server, just disconnect the backups and put it in another safe place. So if you fucked up your server, you can always recover for the from the backups. Don't, don't leave it mounted on. It's pretty dangerous. The other thing that he did, he had a script to remove some files, like sometimes you have bloated servers or when a client deletes its service and after a while you have to refresh and remove whatever occupied space from something that you don't use anymore. He was running this command automatically with a loop. So he was running the remove command inside a loop that this loop was taking care of changing the path that this command 
was asking to remove. So it was basically remove this folder, then remove this other folder, remove this other folder, going through all the folders that he had to remove. This is kind of okay if you have to remove a thousand different files, you don't want to do it manually, you want a script that does everything for you. But before launching it, you have to be sure that this command it works and it doesn't trigger any error or it doesn't forget anything because as i showed you and as i t i told you in in the previous article about sketch the remove command in the unix terminal doesn't ask for permission doesn't ask for like confirm that you want to delete this oh be careful are you sure you don't have that option you don't have the luxury <laughs> it just removes everything and this guy Fucking deleted his entire company's server plus a thousand and six hundred hosting servers and related backups of his entire business. Completely erased from the face of Earth with just one single command. His command was remove rm dash r that it's recursive so just delete everything is inside this folder don't ask for anything and f to force this so the force is just brutal. The force command is, is telling the computer to ignore completely whatever warnings. Because if the computer, if the terminal encounters a warning, an error, maybe you're removing a portion of a file, some files that is connected to another system or another branch of your system. And if you delete this file, maybe your operating system could be affected by this. The system that the terminal will give you a warning. Be careful, this shit, it's dangerous. If you hit, if you write F, it will completely ignore whatever warning and whatever issue you could have. So he did that. He hit enter and it's just like brutally wiped out in the entire server and all the server. Yeah, I run a small office hosting provider with more or less 1,535 customers. And they're gone forever. So the loop was, uh, it was a bash script that was looping to use this remove force, remove recursive force with some dynamic stuff. So he was writing dynamically the path of the files that we wanted to remove and the script failed to pass those paths. So he failed to pass the directory that he wanted to remove and the script, the remove script was executed multiple times on an empty path. So it means when you do that, it means delete everything from the root, delete everything from the base of my server. Okay, four hours ago. Oh, this, ah, shit. Okay, they shared this article. See, it's always good to check the comment section. So Rob Dingle shared this article. This story isn't true. This guy did not delete his entire company in one click. The story which got most of his attention via an article after Okay, it was a hoax. It was fake. Shit, it was great. That was a great experience, but I totally probably was fake. Anyway, this could happen. <laughs> this story is fake, but this could totally happen. And be careful with your bash script. Be really careful. But let's move on from this stupid fake story. I'm sorry I wasted your time, but it was... It was nice. He's like urban legend or something like that. Uh, these guys, Italians, they like to make jokes about something that is not funny. Anyway, moving on, there's a new version of Visual Studio Code and it's actually version 1.0 and it's finally uh, stable. Uh, at least that's what Microsoft is saying is a stable version of Visual Studio. So, I used Visual Studio, the regular version, only to do one thing, to install the dependencies on my Windows machine to install my Apache server. And you can check the <laughs> Code Gear tutorial about how to install Apache, PHP, and MySQL on your local machine, and you need Visual Studio. So Visual Studio, I just used it for the dependencies and not because I wanted to use this as an IDE. 
Because Visual Studio, let's be real, is pretty ugly. It's just really horrible. It doesn't work properly. It looks like a worst version of Dreamweaver. I don't know if like makes sense. But Microsoft is stepping up inside the open source communi community and is realizing that maybe open source sometimes is made better than corporate code. So they decided to create this Visual Studio Code 1, or Visual Studio Code 1 is the version that they just released. And this Visual Studio Code, it's pretty good. I'm not using it daily, I just downloaded open it once, clicked around. Oh, it's good, it's not bad. That's it, closed, not using it anymore. But the funny thing is this code, this Visual Studio is based on Atom the uh, GitHub ID, the open source GitHub ID that you can access the GitHub repo of Atom, download it, edit it by yourself and release your own IDE in open source. Basically, that's what Microsoft did. <laughs> they downloaded Atom from GitHub and they packaged in a way that applied a new skin, they applied default themes and they they're doing some good stuff, actually. Uh, they implement a lot of language scripts, so you have a lot of codings and autocomplete and code validation, ints and all this stuff for a lot of different scripting language, basically the most common scripting language that you can use. Um, and they release it for free. So that's a good thing that Microsoft is doing. I wish they will they would not rely too much on the open source community. And if they do, if you have to use Atom as your base core to develop a new IDE, why you don't just simply contribute to the Atom GitHub? Why you don't commit something like some updates? Why you don't create a branch of this of that atom and create some more future and maybe they can be merged in the future inside atom itself so that's one of like that's it's just like probably it's just like a more generic issue of the open source community this constant need to duplicate something that already exists and make something completely different. Like what if all the developers, or like the majority of the developers were working all together on one single project instead of creating branches and derivations of the same source code to create something completely different. And we end up having 30 different companies working on 30 different projects that they have the same core code, but no one is sharing functionalities and sharing options. What if? Microsoft was contributing for real to the open source community by submitting code to something that already exists. That would be awesome. But anyway, if you want, like download Visual Studio. It's still, yeah, Visual Studio Code, amazing name. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, download this, give it a try. If, you, if you're not sure, like if you don't like Sublime Text or Coda or Atom, if you're like not sure which ID you should use, just give it a try. And that could be your next amazing ID. So it's, it's not bad, it's not, it's not a bad move, Microsoft. You could do better, but it's not a bad move. Speaking about Microsoft, let's talk about Apple a little bit. And we have this weird news that uh, I kind of agree, but it's, it's just to make money again. Anyway, the App Store, it's a mess. The App Store, both the App Store of the iOS and both the Mac App Store, the App Store of OS X, they're super messy. And if you notice that the App Store of a device of or your operating system is connected, directly connected to the operating system itself. So Apple cannot release a new version of the App Store from for iOS if they don't update iOS itself. Different from Google. So if Google, I don't know, sometimes you notice you access the Google Play Store and it's completely different, completely refreshed because they treat the Google Play Store as a separated app, as like an independent app. So they can release updates for that app. And the Google Play Store is way better organized, way better categorized than 
controlled, not controlled because Apple controls a lot of the App Store, but it's way easier to navigate and to find your stuff or to find stuff that you're interested into. And they're releasing a new update once every one or two months. They constantly do UI and UX improvements and design tweaks, and I really like it. The fact that Apple is not doing the same for the App Store, and the App Store is pretty identical of the first version that they released with the first when they activated this old app, like na native app system, it's pretty similar. Like they didn't do a major refresh other than flat design, but you always had the, the tabs on the bottom and you always have the same categories. And of course now the amount of apps, like the apps ecosystem is just bloated of thousand apps you have thousand of duplicated of the same app ripoffs and it's just insane and if you have a really good app and you submit this app to the app store it could probably happen that no one will see your app ever and it's going to be just like suffocated underneath layers on layers of just crap app so apple is thinking to redesign it and to rebuild it and to make it better that it's good but this is the bad part, is thinking to ask publishers of app to pay in order to have their own apps on top of the charts. So if you're releasing a new app, you're gonna think to, okay, I will buy the first position for one month so I can be in the future section for one month. And this is not good because you're supposed to be in the future section if your app is worth it, not if you're paying to be there. So it's not, yeah, your visibility is not gonna be related anymore if your app is good or bad, it's just gonna be related to the amount of money that you have and you can invest in advertising. And this is gonna really affect small developers or independent companies, independent developers that they wanna release their own apps and they don't have the funds, they don't have the funds so to invest in advertising. And it is just, this is fucking horrible and I don't really like it, but anyway, this is Apple, that's how they do it. And we'll see what's gonna happen, but what do you think? You have Apple or Android? What do you do? You like how the Google Play Store is, or do you prefer the App Store how it's made? But anyway, let's keep going. The last topic that I want to talk to you about in this nerd continuity episode is the main topic of this episode, and I'm gonna access my website, the actual plugin section of my website, and the main topic is how to safely update WordPress and I have to drink on this. So WordPress released the version 4.5 recently, like a couple of days ago, I think this week. And a lot of users, a lot of you asked me on Twitter or YouTube, like, can I update WordPress? Can I do that? Like, do how, how do I know that my website is not gonna break, it's not gonna collapse on itself if I update WordPress? And you cannot be sure, you cannot 100%, and you can never be 100% sure, it's never gonna happen. There will always be some sort of like uh, fear in updating uh, the core functionality of something, but I'm gonna share my process of updating. And if you notice here, I don't have the alert of updating uh, to WordPress 4.5 because I proceed, I updated to 4.5, and if you check my website, it works perfectly. There's no issues, no bugs, everything works perfectly. So this is the process, that's what I do when I update or I wanna update to a new version of WordPress. First of all, I usually wait at least a week. Here I waited three months because I already tested this with the release candidate on my developer side. So if you have a dev environment, a local environment, you could Download your database, download your theme, install everything on your local environment and install the new version on your local environment. So if something breaks, it's on your local environment. You're not gonna affect your live database, you're not gonna affect your live site and you can test and fix possible bugs, whatever you want in your local environment. So always duplicate entirely your site. 
before updating do a backup of everything do a backup of your site take the your wordpress folder and back it up because if something goes wrong you can always re-upload it back on top and revert everything download also the database download ah it ah it's itchy here Download also the database entirely. Your entire WordPress database access the PHP MyAdmin or MySQL. Download the entire database and keep a copy with the date. And then take a look at the version of WordPress that you want to update because WordPress has two different ways of releasing updates. First, you have the major releases. The major releases are those with the main number or the first decimal, the first number after the first dot, those are major releases. So 3.9, 4.0, 4.1, 4.2, and so on until now we are on 4.5. Those are major releases. The major releases comes with, of course, bug fixes, improvements, and all the stuff, but comes with new features, new stuff that sometimes are from scratch. So those, in my opinion, are the most dangerous because they introduce new stuff. So sometimes for the major release, I wait one week. Sometimes if I see some weird feedback from users that they have issues and all this kind of stuff, I wait also a month after they usually release the 4.5.1 that is the bug fixes of the new version. And it's... It, it's worth the time to wait, it's fine. If the situation is pretty stable, it's solid, I don't see main red flags and everything works on my local machine, I check before updating, I check my theme and my plugins. I don't have an issue with my theme because I built it from scratch so I know how it works, I know what kind of codes I'm using, but I go check the change log of WordPress for the current version I don't want to update. If they release something like, this function is deprecated, don't use this function anymore. Sometimes they do it. Sometimes they uh, deprecate some really old function, like pretty much all the functions of WordPress are future and past proof. So they work down until a version 2.7, something like that. So if you use a really, really old function, it will probably still work and it's, it's gonna take a lot a while even if it's deprecated they're not gonna remove it soon so still gonna work probably is gonna trigger just a warning message or a notice php message be careful this uh version this code is deprecated since this version please use this other one so uh it's pretty good the alerting system of wordpress but I check that, I check the list if we have some deprecated version. The other thing that I do if I use a third-party theme, I open the inspector of the theme. So if, for example, we are on our website here and we access the appearance menu, we go menu, we go to the theme sections and we, for example, we have the 2015, I go to theme details and I check, it's stated somewhere that this theme is not compatible for the current version. If I want, I can also click, if it's a paid plugin, probably you will have the link of the author of the link of the site of the plugin. So I suggest you to go there and check if the author released a new version of this uh, theme to see if it's compatible, if you already fixed something that it wasn't working with the new version of WordPress. So always check your theme if you're if you didn't code it by yourself. But also if you did check your source code. The other thing that you have to check before upgrading are your plugins. And most of the times plugins are what causes the issue with a new version of WordPress because not all developers release a plugin that is future-proof. And sometimes the code is really crappy, it's really old, it's outdated, and it's not really good. So what you do, or what I usually do, you go inside your list of plugins and you click View Details. View Details, you have a lot of different information. First, check the first state, like compatible up to the version of WordPress. So I want to update to 4.5. Here it says compatible up to 4.5. So first green flag, first like, okay, pretty good to go. Check the change log tab. In the change log tab, they get, they list like usually good developers and good plugin, they list all the updates and all the information 
about the updates of plugins, sometimes they have uh, some statement like uh, increased version to, yeah, like this one in the discus version 2.78, there's this compatibility for WordPress version 4. So if you find something like that, it means that they spend time or hopefully it means that they spend time to solve some compatibility issues. So if your plugins, they respect this stuff, you're pretty good to go. The other thing that you could do, you could go to the review section and see if there's some major flag. If this is not supported by the author, this plugin is bugged, it doesn't work. Like if you have these like huge comments by multiple users that they're saying this is wrong, this is not working, just be careful. So test it on your dev machine if you, if you can. But after doing this, as I said, do a full backup, keep everything separated and install your new WordPress application. Install it, follow all the steps. Sometimes WordPress has to update the database. So click update the database. And if you follow all these steps, you should be pretty good to go. The other update type of WordPress are the lower version, like the 4.4.3, 4.4.4. Those subversions, I pretty much update straight on, right away. I, I'm not worried about those versions because those versions are not introducing new features, but are mainly for bug fixes. So those subversions, like the third decimal or like the, the third number of the version, they're really important for bug fixing, security improvement, performances improvement. So they're not introducing new stuff. They're not deprecating new stuff or they're not destroying the main core of your code. They're just releasing bug fixes. And to check if could create some problem, always check the change log of that version. The developers of WordPress are pretty great in listing all the updates and whatever code they changed or they updated. And that's it. This is my process of updating WordPress. And it looks like convoluted. It looks like really long. It's actually like 10 minutes. It takes like export your database, duplicate your folders and just update everything. And I started doing this method. I started doing this process since version 3.5 or 3.4 and I never had an update problem. Don't be scared about updating an operating system or don't updating a, a website or a software. A new version of a software is a good thing because it means that they addressed a lot of issues and they most likely solved a lot of those issues. And you should always, always update WordPress and all the plugins and all the themes. You should always have your system updated to the latest version. You have no idea how many times I access a website uh, from a client based on WordPress, maybe developed by someone else. And if I access the backend, I see 18 updates to do. Like in the updates folder, you have like nine plugins to update or like uh, the version of WordPress is the 3.9. They never updated, not even at the 4.0 version. And if I talk with the developer, they say, oh no, you cannot update because you're gonna break something or I don't know if the code that I wrote is gonna, is gonna work. That's, that's bullshit, it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't supposed to be like that. So if you're not sure about your code, probably you wrote something wrong and you shouldn't, you should rewrite it. You should really take a look at your source code and you should fix all the problems. But anyway, we're almost at the end of this episode. To conclude this episode, I have a couple of questions from you guys, from users, and I have a couple of questions, really interesting questions, kind of funny. So the first question, super quick, is from Bamboo or Bambulex, Bam Bam Bamboo at Bambulex. Hopefully I said your name correctly, sorry. And his question is, I always wanted to know uh, what's your naming coming from? Like, so what's your nickname comes from? Like, Ale Cad. So, Ale, he understands that because it's from Alessandro, that is my first name. Ka, C A, is from my last name, Castellani. And he doesn't get the 3D. So, 3D has, 
the, the 3Ds come from uh, different kind of explanations. First, I'm a designer, plus I'm a developer. Third, I love 3D, like 3D graphics, 3D animation, and I'm also, a lot of the time before leaving Italy and saying like, I want to live in a better country, I want to go somewhere else, I, have, I want to have better experience, they used to say, I was a dreamer. So uh, you're a dreamer, like it's never gonna happen. You're never gonna be able to do that. So I am a designer, a developer and a dreamer. And I love 3D. <laughs> so I probably, I, I was experimenting with my name like Alecat3D or Ale3D, but I, want, I didn't want to associate my name too much with the actual three, the number three and D, so much to like, graphic, 3D graphic, uh, generational, this kind of stuff. So I called myself Alicad. <laughs> it's pretty weird. You can find this snippet also in the introduction video. You see all the fun fancy stuff, fancy music, and then red screen uh, and letters that shifts between each other. Like I am a designer, developer, dreamer, and then Alicad, bam, spam there. So that's where my name comes from. It's Pretty clever, hey? I'm so smart. <laughs> no, I'm not. The last question from Ricardo at Rick Vega MX is how do you deal with customers with unrealistic deadlines and is it better to stay away from them? That's a really good question and it's actually related to my recent work spent in my office, my recent, I think like, it's been two months that it's been like crazy shit storm of work and I'm gonna answer right away. So clients with unrealistic deadlines are basically all the clients. And unfortunately that's true. Like if a client doesn't know anything about how design works or how development works, he will ask for something for a specific deadline. Like I want this entire website ready for the end of week and maybe it's Wednesday, so you have two days. And first you have to learn how to say no. And you have to say no immediately because you cannot say yes and then realize that, oh my God, it's too tight, it's not, there's not enough time. And then say, oh, I cannot actually do it because that's unprofessional. You should say no immediately. Like, no, this is not good. You have to put it in a way that they can understand because of course client, if they don't know anything about design or development, they cannot understand like, oh, this is a really complicated code or like this design iteration, it needs a lot of testing on the UX side. And it's, that's something that it's a language they don't understand. It's like gibberish or like something that you're making up, you're inventing in the moment to take more time and to ask them more money. So. What, they, what the client usually see is you want more time because you want more money. What is your work and what is your purpose to communicate to them? And this is really complicated, but you have to try to communicate to them. It's like you want a good job, you want a better, high quality result, I need more time. And you can show them, you can show them like, examples of your previous work. I did this website, you should prepare your portfolio to show the client different iterations or different results based on what you had, on what you were forced to use to work. So you should show them this is a website I did in one week. This is a website I did in two months and the difference should be astonishing, should be like, oh, this is amazing. It's like, should be, easy to understand even for a non-tech savvy person to understand like how having better and like a bigger timeline can improve their final result. And then you should be really honest with them. Like you shouldn't be, you shouldn't feel like in depth with them or like you shouldn't feel guilty to have more time because it's not a, it's not a parent child relationship. They're not your boss. They're not your dad that it's telling you to do something. If you don't do it, it's bad. 
there's this is a working relationship this is something that you can get some value from them and they will definitely get some value from yourself from this relationship so the entire relationship the entire working relationships should be based on honesty and you should be really strict on your time not being a douche not being rude but being really honest so if the client that i won this website in two weeks you can say uh this is great there's a good insight i wish i was able to do it but it's not technically possible i'm sorry um you want to achieve this amazing result and i want to give you the best i can i'm gonna i'm gonna produce the best you will ever see but in order to do the best i need more time if for some specific reason they cannot give you more time sometimes a client cannot extend the deadline not because he's a douche or because doesn't want to but because they have maybe marketing section or they have an advertising campaign and it's going on and it's gonna start on that date so they need the product released for that date you can compromise a little bit and you can tell them okay let's identify a list of specs or list of uh, options of functional sections that you actually need you're like really needed you must have in order to launch the product and let's remove from the product something like secondary maybe let's remove fancy parallax or fancy animation let's let's maintain the the the, the core product that needs to be ready to go and fully functional for that day and remove the non-necessary step that we can have on a phase two if you do that you're first it's like saying no but in a way nicer way so you're not actually saying no if you say no strict to the client they get like fucking oh this guy doesn't want to work if you say i can do that for this day or for this time but we have to remove a couple of things and we have to streamline the process so if you want this for this specific day we have to separate this in different phases plus you're ensuring you're uh, you're granting yourself a more durable relationship with the client because you're splitting the work in different phases so you're gonna have phase one where you build the main core project maybe you're gonna destroy yourself because you want to hit the deadline you want to demonstrate that we your new specs your suggested specs to remove something you can hit their deadline and then you're proposing phase two phase three phase four whatever you're proposing a more durable and extended relationship than just one time shot so they're gonna pay less at the end they're gonna pay more than probably they expected but they're gonna pay less than that what they thought it was going to cost if you needed more time to release the actual product that they need and then they can iterate another second okay now we can we conclude phase one let's do phase two and let's improve whatever i built and let's add the new functionalities and the phase two the phase separated option the phase separated timeline it's great for you also as a developer because you can in phase two you can fix maybe something that you did super quickly and super like not really nice or like uh, yeah really not sloppy but sometimes you have to write code super quickly just to deliver the work so in phase two you're gonna have time other than applying the new functionalities also to revisit your own code and improve it and this is great so yes let's try always to understand why the client wants that deadline if it's just because it's a child and he wants it, i want that for that day and that's how it doesn't give you an explanation and it's not willing to separate the phases it's good for you to step back and say okay i'm sorry that's not how i work that's not i'm i'm professional i work in a specific way so i'm not willing to do this if you're willing to compromise and find a solution that can work for both we can work today together otherwise no just step back and say no losing a client in order to maintain your mental health sanity 
it's it's good you can do it sometimes but most of the time is not the client's fault it's the fault of the situation of how the client was sometimes i had this situation because of a previous developer a previous developer developed actually that's what happened in my office in the past two months like a previous developer developed a website in here and created some serious shit and it was just so bad and then the client ended up being forced from the marketing section from the advertising section from the stakeholders to release the product on that specific date like it's been a year we are developing this on this date has to be live and then they hired us to basically rebuild everything everything that was built in one year i had to rebuild it in two months and the deadline was uh unrealistic like gigantically unrealistic what we did was splitting the project in phases so we get okay let's pack whatever we can pack in phase one and we as a developer as a company we provided the list of stuff that we can do okay for this day we can do this 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 but we cannot do we cannot implement there's no chance we can implement these other things so that's what we do that we propose this a bit of back and forth we changed a bunch of stuff around but then we found a compromise and now we have a healthy and duratory relationship with this client they're super happy because they saw that in two months we released what we needed what they needed at the time they needed with super amazing quality compared to the first year of crap that the other developer did so try to build trust trust with your client try to build um, a good relationship and always be honest never try to hide yourself you're not stealing money from them uh, don't be afraid to ask more time and ask more money if the job requires that you're not stealing money you're providing uh you're providing a service and you're providing a good service and you're guaranteeing them that your final result is going to be amazing so it's hard it's hard there's not a definitive answer but it you can do it just like stick to your rules and don't try to not be frustrated so yeah pretty much it anyway thank you so much guys for your positive feedback and your support on this new format of the nerd continuity and really it's been a blast and really like doing this stuff and i hope all the news and the updates or the example that i'm sharing with you are helpful for you and let me know of course in the comment below give it a thumbs up or thumbs down if you don't like it or if you have question more questions for the next episode or you want me to talk about some specific article some specific news that you found and you want my opinion if you care about my opinion I don't know if you do hopefully please care about my opinion anyway if you want my opinion just leave the link in the description of uh, the link in the comment section of this video and I will check and integrate that topic in the next episode of the nerd continuity well, it's pretty much it for today's episode. Thank you again, guys, for checking this video. And as usual, happy coding and happy nerding.